Hey, thank you for joining us for this week's Digital Marketing Happy Hour. Since this is a happy hour, it's only fitting that we started off with what we're drinking. Ryan, what do you got today? You know, we're recording this, and I have a uh, in a wine mood this evening. Um, I'm recording this at night. Wife made some great lamb chops, and they were fantastic. So paired it with a, a nice Cabernet Sauvignon. Nothing too fancy. It is a uh, Francescan is the uh, the wine, and it's a Cabernet, and it's uh, it's what I'm drinking tonight. How about you? You know, it was it was a hot day here in Florida. We're we're still mostly quarantined. I got a chance. I've got two young boys, so I took them out earlier to to play some football and some baseball, and it was a warm one. So I came back. I was I was pretty hot, and I cracked open a Funky Buddha Pineapple Beach, which Funky Buddha is actually one of my favorite breweries out of sort of the Fort Lauderdale area. Pineapple Beach is a blonde ale, and even though it's got pineapple in the name, I assure you there is no taste of fruit in this beer but it's just it's light it's refreshing and it's one of my favorite ones to kick back with sort of on a hot day now that you heard what we're drinking during this digital marketing happy hour when you get a moment take a picture send a tweet or an instagram and let us know what you're drinking on twitter and instagram i'm ryan smith and you can get me on my handle at r-y-a-n-s-m-i-t-h-f-l-a that's at ryan smith f-l-a And with that, let's get this show started. The Digital Marketing Happy Hour, as always, is brought to you by Araxum, your source for marketing and technology needs. Learn more at araxam.com. That's A-R-A-X-A-M.com. So I'm Chris Casale. He's Ryan Smith. Week two, we uh, we actually got the first one done, published in the books, as they say. And we're back for another week at it because we had so much fun. So why not do it again? This week, we're actually talking a little bit more about the new normal. COVID-19 has drastically changed everything. And we keep hearing, depending upon the people that we're talking to, just can't wait till things get back to normal. But there's been a lot going on the last two months. So we're asking the question, what is the new normal? Ryan, what are your thoughts? You know, it's interesting. And I, and I think as we continue to this, this whole pandemic evolves, and of course, you know, there will be at some point light at the end of the tunnel. Um, when that happens, you know, I think the big thing we want is what is going to be the same and what's forever going to be different? And I think that's the big question mark when we look at businesses, you know, especially entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, maybe who, you know, you've always been working from home or you go to the office and your side gig you do on the, at night and on the weekends, that's from home. You know, how is that going to change now that everybody's working from home? Are you consistently, you know, do you have a job where, you know what, all I need is, you know, my computer, a telephone internet access and you know for others I just get me near an airport you know um, a lot of people have always done business that way and just with the changes are we no longer traveling for conferences are all meetings going to happen through things like zoom are trade shows now just going to be virtual and I think we don't know the answers to all these but we do have to ask the question you know is that you know the new norm? And I'm kind of curious to see how this all plays out. But right now, I think businesses are starting to see, you know, 
how much money they can save and overhead costs with you know owning you know buildings and electricity that they no longer maybe have to pay for, um, and it's a lot more cost effective. Now, obviously, if you are a retail space. If you have, you know, manufacturing plants, whatever, okay, that's going to be a little different. But I think for a lot of small to medium-sized businesses, large corporations, uh, a large part of their workforce, you know, I think they're testing and looking, saying, hey, this work from home, maybe it's not perfect, but we maybe can make this work. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think those are all excellent points. I it's sort of an interesting thing to to pontificate about because I've spent the fair majority of my career in the technology space. So, I'm very comfortable working from home. A lot of the individuals that I work with in the space do end up working remotely because they can be so much more productive. But when you're working with businesses, uh, you know, small, medium, even some large ones, I think there's a comfort level with or a lack of comfort with allowing employees to do that because I think there's still in certain industries at least there is still this this old school sense of well if I can't see my employees how do I know if they're working right and then one day in the middle of March the government tells all of these individuals you have to let your employees work from home you need to shut down normal business operations unless you are deemed an essential business and what happened? Everybody transitioned to the to the work from home space. Some people, because of their jobs, couldn't do it. A lot of people could. A lot of software is cloud based now. Uh, most individuals, I think, have some form of internet or high speed internet, or even if they're hot hot spotting through their cell phone, uh, and the work got done. And I know my day job in higher education. Just using that as an example, uh, I've got a very large team, and we didn't miss a beat. In fact, I would argue that the team has actually been more productive because there's no commute times, uh, there's less water cooler chit chat, which I think is a negative in other ways. But I think overall, I would say the team has been more productive and, and hasn't missed a beat with anything. Now, there's obviously discussion to be had about the missing social components from that. But to your point, if you're a business and you're seeing that this works, why would you invest your, your money in premium office space? I mean, in the Tampa area, it's not cheap. And I would imagine that's true of any major metropolitan area and, and even some of the more rural areas as well. Why would you want to spend that money on office space if it's efficient allowing your employees to work from home and still get the job done? And if that's going to impact the office space industry, certainly not all businesses will, will see that issue or we'll see that outcome, but I've got to think that there will be other spaces as well, right? Do do some restaurants get a little bit smaller because of less foot traffic? What about commercial spaces? Do they start to shrink in size or even retail spaces? You know, do you have more of sort of your front, you know, open area that individuals will browse? How much is going to transition to sort of an online marketplace, which Amazon largely owns that now, but does that start to fragment a little bit? I, I think this is going to be a very interesting time to see how businesses choose to use their funds and what that transition looks like over time. What part do you feel when you're talking about that, you know, everything's virtual? There is that time, and we're, we're talking old school where, hey, you know, Deals are done with a handshake. Um, obviously, that's changing. You know, maybe it's was it elbow to elbow, forearm to forearm, something like that. But there's that component to it. But you're talking about that interpersonal. Okay, you can only get so interpersonal on a video conference. What about 
the networking that takes place at conferences. I mean, the trade shows. So you go, you get educated, and then you do the meetups, the happy hours, and you get a chance to network and meet people from all over the world. That, to me, is very difficult to make up virtually. You can get the education component of that virtually. You can get the keynotes, technically, you can get that virtually, although it's still better to see them up close and personal. But that's something that I'm I'm still, I don't know how you get around, because I like the face-to-face. I like the interactions, some of the networking where you, you get to meet people. I like being physically at you know a trade show and um, and I and I kind of think back and, and you and I were together uh, several years ago now where we went to Inbound in Boston HubSpot's uh, marketing conference which I still rate as one of the best in the world and we had the opportunity to listen to Simon Sinek and it was just seeing him tell he's a great storyteller and seeing him tell it up close is different than watching one of his videos. His videos are great, but there's just there's something different about it when you get to be in the same room, albeit a big conference room, um, to it. And I wonder if that's going to go away forever. And actually, we both had the opportunity to have our book signed by him, you know. And I think that there was something, as corny as it sounds, kind of special about that, you know, having that opportunity to get a picture taken and have him sign your book, and and he's just great. So that's just one example. When I think of how does this change? And is all this change, while some of it could be great, because you know what, maybe it's okay that you work from home. Um, There's a lot of productivity that's happening. A lot of the old myths of that people don't work while they're at home, I think we're starting to see that go away. But my fear is we're going to miss out um, on some of that you know, one-on-one time with our peers in the industries around the world, for example, at trade shows. I think those are excellent points, and it, it's so interesting to hear some of the things that you mentioned. I I am a technology guy at heart. I, you know I love this stuff. You know I love seeing all the new things that come out and the new ways that businesses are able to leverage them, but you're spot on. It just doesn't replace that social component that you get in being close to people and being able to sit together in a conference room in front of a whiteboard. And yes, I know there's digital whiteboards now through things like Teams and Zoom and, and, and you know, all of the Google documents or, or Google Sheets and stuff like that. But it just doesn't replace that sort of ability to get in a room and really hash things out. I can't tell you how many problems that, you know, that I've solved over my career or I've watched other people solve by having those, you know, standing in front of a water cooler or hanging out at somebody's cubicle and just having a a light, friendly interaction that all of a sudden sparked an idea that became so much more. And I don't think that technology can replace that. The ability to go to conferences and meet people, I mean, let's face it, and I agree with you, the inbound conference, one of the best experiences I've ever had at a conference, but it's not just in the sessions that you're seeing or the keynotes that you're going to. It's in the times when you grab lunch from one of the food trucks and go sit out on the lawn and go meet and speak to other people. It's that networking component of getting to understand what they do and learning things uh, from other people that you don't have an opportunity to anymore. And I don't know how you replace that. I think it was, you know, your point about the handshake deal. I think it was Dr. Fauci that said the days of shaking hands may be over. And you have to wonder, is there some truth to that? And what is that replaced with? So I don't know. It's it's going to be very interesting to see how businesses that are in that space overcome it. Because 
they have to overcome it. Uh, you mentioned Simon Sinek, both huge fans of his work, big believers in uh, the, the stuff that he preaches with regards to uh, in, you know inspiring your teams and building strong team cultures. I actually happened to listen. He was hosting a series of virtual book clubs through YouTube. And I actually happened to sit in on one of them. And there's always a Q&A section that's part of those meetings. And there was an individual from Aruba who asked Simon the question of, you know, I'm in the tourism industry here in Aruba. People are not able to travel. A lot of the resorts are closed. How do we overcome this? And the point that Simon made that I thought was just so spot on was, if you are trying to, that's why you need to focus, which goes back to his whole mantra of find your why, right? If you are focusing on the how or the what, you're not going to be able to solve this problem. Because if you're focused solely on tourism and getting people to come visit your resort or your tourist location, they are unable to do that. So you need to rethink what does tourism look like in 2020 during this situation. And the businesses that can't make that leap might end up getting left behind as a result of this. The businesses that figure out what that next thing is, that's what's going to drive the innovations moving forward. And some businesses won't come back from this. They, I read an article this week, uh, Sweet Tomatoes, one of our favorite buffets uh, focusing on salads, has announced they're not going to reopen as a result of this because it's a serve-yourself buffet. Uh, the health departments won't, won't allow them. So it does... It begs the question of which businesses are going to be able to make that transition in the space. And certainly certain industries, conferences, trade shows, things like that are going to be are going to be one of them, because I know some of them are doing that virtually right now. But having attended virtual events, it just doesn't work the same way. No. And and I I remember this these virtual conferences really started to appear maybe 10 years ago. And I remember attending a few of them. I'm like, I'll be honest with you. I was like. This sucks. I mean, it's just you attend. It's and I know they're trying to rebound and do it better. And, and maybe technology is better. The whole system could be the process of it could be better now. But I, you just can never replace you know having that that one on one. And it's interesting though. You kind of going back to the the sweet tomatoes. Yes, sweet tomatoes. Uh, and just so you know, sweet tomatoes is sweet plantation in uh, Southern California. Uh, same. Uh, exactly the same thing, different names. So what's interesting is we talk about that buffet. It's so funny too, because I think of buffets like buffets are disgusting. You know, a lot of people they are touching them and all that you go through, but boy, I'll do a salad buffet, uh, you know, and uh, you go to Walt Disney World, half of their restaurants, or it feels like half are all buffet related. So these are things that are, have been commonplace. The Chinese buffets, you know, when you're on cruise ships, the cruise ships all have buffets. You know, starting to think to not just from work, but just from a society standpoint uh, and globally, how are all these going to change? And when you, when you think about that, these are major areas, uh, major systems in a way that these processes that all of these companies have had that we're looking at not just the buffets, but just of people working from home. And it's this whole blueprint that's really uh, the foundation of business is now changing. And with technology comes this new way. And it'll be really interesting, again, as we said, to follow this and see how do managers change? What is leadership going to do um, from your C-suites down to your managers and to the subordinates? 
what is that whole process going to be like? Now, there's a lot of people who say, we've been doing this for 10 years, 20 years now, this whole work from home, really since you know we had uh, broadband internet, I've been able to do this. And, uh, and I'm sure there are. But at the grand scheme of things, um, that's a small subset of people that have have had that experience. And when you're talking now, some Fortune 500 companies that are going this route, um, you know, it's not just the SMBs or the entrepreneurs. So I'm looking to see what are the long-term ramifications of this. Now, there's a lot of positives that come from this, and I think a lot of things are coming through where we're finding that, you know what? You can be extremely productive and work from home. So uh, through this, with businesses being forced to do this, I'm hoping that they're able to now see the the positives that have come through this sort of this quarantine time period. And it'll be interesting to see how efficient businesses run. You know, if we're looking for a silver lining of COVID-19, I think this could be one of those. And I think a lot of businesses will find a way to make the transition, but they're largely waiting to see how consumers are going to react to that. You know, if you're in the the B2B, the business to business markets, your interaction is going to be a little bit different than if you're in B2C or business to consumer. And a great example of that is Universal Studios. One of the advantages that we have in living here in the Florida area is that we're not far from the theme parks, particularly here in Tampa Bay. It's about an hour drive. So this past year, we decided my oldest son had been asking about Universal Studios for a while. We had been taking him to Disney in, in past years. So we decided, all right, you know what? He's about that age now. We'll crack down and we'll get the annual passes for Universal Studios. Well, I got a survey in my email last week. And basically what they were doing was laying out different scenarios to kind of test and see, you know, and there were questions like if testing was readily available, but there wasn't a good treatment if you were diagnosed with COVID-19, would you consider coming back to the theme park under those conditions? If we required you to wear a mask and we took your temperature before entering the park, would you be willing to come back to the park under those circumstances? And there were a whole bunch of them. Probably took me about 15 or 20 minutes to complete the survey. But it was interesting to see the way Universal Studios is thinking through things to determine how they can serve that audience and how they can open their doors again and what does their new normal like. So it's really fascinating. It really comes back to how consumers behave will determine how the businesses are able to thrive. And that might also be very regional. You know, certain states and certain local areas, cities, metropolitan areas, are going to be impacted by it differently than others. So is this a very regional situation? But it's also a global one as well, because we're seeing in in certain countries that, you know, perhaps didn't lock down the way Italy did or the way the United States did, they're starting to have uh, outbursts now in their areas. And so what is that going to do to their economies? And it's really interesting to see the decisions that businesses are making right now, how they're choosing to collect qualitative data on what their customers are doing so that they can plan for their futures. No, Chris, I I really think, you know, this conversation just sheds a lot of light of where we're going, uh, where we've been through this kind of pandemic. And, you know, what possible opportunities we see coming out of it. I don't think it's all going to be doom and gloom. I think it's just going to be change. Some people adjust well to change. Others, as we know, just kind of struggle with it. But this time we're doing it sort of, you know, as a global community. So it will be interesting to see how we come out of this. But, you know, I just, um, I am very positive in this and I I think a lot of good things will come out of it. But, uh, But kind of a deep topic today in the sense of 
the unknown and global pandemic. But uh, let's change it up a little bit here now and lighten the mood. What uh, what right now are you sort of you know downloading and, and listening to or watching on your end? So I think we discussed Netflix shows last week. Uh, this week I'll talk about what I'm reading. You know I'm a big fan of uh, Audible audiobooks. I spend uh, a lot of time in the car, not as much lately, but uh, big fan of the ability to listen to books on the go because I like to read a lot. So this week I'm actually reading uh, Ben Horowitz's What You Do Is Who You Are, How to Create Your Business Culture. He wrote a book, uh, it's an older book now, a couple years ago, called uh, The Hard Thing About Hard Things. And I fell in love with that book because he talks about a playbook for, you know, once you reach a certain level or a certain point in your career, there's no roadmap anymore. There's no, you know, these are the steps you need to take to solve these problems because the problems are very dynamic. So I really fell in love with his approach to it. Uh, his new book, not as good in my opinion, but still worth the read. What about you? What are you listening to, reading, or watching these days? Just like you, obviously big fan of Audible. One of the things that I love about them is I usually listen to that in the car all the time, listen to books, and sometimes I'll trade off from books to podcasts. I like the podcast because when you listen to different you know, people, whoever you're into, you're staying up to date, like this, by the way, of what's going on in the world and maybe some tips and tricks, uh, hacks to get through. So going through that, when, we, when I take a step back and of all the podcasts, and I switch back and forth, Audible and, and podcasts. I'm in my back into my podcasts again. The one who I've probably been the most loyal listener to for years now since the beginning is Amy Porterfield. She does online marketing made easy. You should know who she is. If not, go download her and, and listen to her podcast. It's great for being an entrepreneur. Really, it might not necessarily, her niche audience might not be for everybody, but I do think most businesses, most marketers will be able to get tidbits uh, from her, and uh, it's it's just great. So I've kind of gone back and jumped back in and started listening to a bunch of Amy Porterfield. So um, got to see her speak in person, followed her in her Facebook days, and now she does course building is one of her, her big things that she, she teaches. So that is an area that I have uh, kind of jumped back into again. That sounds awesome. Can't wait to check it out. So this was a heavy subject this week, but an interesting one, one that's definitely worth talking about and thinking about. It's hard to give a tangible takeaway from this, but if you had to come up with something that you would tell you know, business owners or solopreneurs or entrepreneurs or whatnot to do as a result of this, what would it be? I think if you're a leader in your company, if you're a manager, an executive, I think it would be to, and you probably have done this, look through and assess not so much um, you know, the punch in, punch out, this, that's probably more for the small to medium sized businesses. The large global companies don't do that as much, but make sure you look and assess the project work that is being accomplished. Not so are, are you, you haven't heard from them in a couple hours, you know, that type of thing. I think it's important to look at the body of work that people are producing as opposed to because we're all working from home. I would say that's the biggest thing from a sort of a management leadership standpoint. I think everybody as a whole it is, this could be the new normal that people are working at. I think in the meantime, um, it's important to stay on your toes, to keep listening to podcasts like this one, and to continue to educate yourself. Because we don't know if there's another opportunity for you to jump on a plane and fly to another city and go to a conference and learn there. So I think it's important to maintain, um, you know, educate yourself, learn practical skills, 
and marketing and technology because those two things are never going away. You might have to pivot a little bit, but um, I think that's that's the big thing in this this sort of work from home. Couldn't agree more. Always be reading, always be learning, always be consuming information so that you can have the data to make the decisions that you need to make that are the best for you. This was fun. We really enjoyed doing this. Really appreciate you guys listening to us. Uh, download us on iTunes. Leave us a review if you get a chance. We'd, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, reach out to us. Uh, I'm Chris Casale. You can reach me on Twitter at Real Chris Casale. That's R-E-A-L-C-H-R-I-S-C-A-S-A-L-E. Also, send an email to podcast at araxam.com. That's podcast at A-R-A-X-A-M.com. We'd love to hear from you. Was there something you that you loved? Let us know. If there's something you hated, also let us know about today's podcast. Any topic ideas, we'd love to hear from you. You can also hit me up on Twitter and Instagram. Again, it's Ryan Smith FLA. That's R-Y-A-N. S-M-I-T-H-F-L-A. And obviously you can find us at Ryan Smith Marketing on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. Stay safe out there and be nice to each other. We'll talk at you next week. Thank you for listening to the Digital Marketing Happy Hour. This week's episode is brought to you by Araxum.com, your digital resource for marketing and technology. Visit Araxum at A-R-A-X-A-M dot com. The music intro you heard is called Pure Adrenaline by Eddie off the album Too Damn Loud. You can learn more at CactusSlimRecords.com. The music used for closing credits is a song called In My Pocket by Jazzer. You can find it on their album Message. Learn more at BetterWithMusic.com. Thank you for listening.